G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus had some pretty inconvenient things to say. One of them was this, that we should be prepared to lay down our lives for our friends. These days, I'm sure someone would suggest he needs a half-decent PR consultant to put a bit of a better spin on that. But I'm not sure that that's what Jesus had in mind. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to the program today as we take another look at your friendships from a different perspective. Over the last few weeks, we've been chatting on the program about friendship, and whilst I've seen a lot of friendships worth writing about and talking about, there's one that's really touched me deeply. It's kind of a bit of a side story in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. Always seems a bit odd how they name some of these books in the Bible, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. I've never forgotten how inaccessible those names felt to me, even though they now roll off the tongue pretty easily. Yet it's an awesome account of a great time of turmoil and change in the history of what was then the very young nation of Israel. Saul had been appointed as king against God's will and counsel, And after he had some initial successes, he turned out to be something of, well, a disaster. And so God had the prophet Samuel anoint a new king, young guy by the name of David. But as God's favour and the people's support and all the success shift away from Saul onto David, who is God's anointed successor for the throne of Israel, King Saul becomes jealous and bitter and twisted. And several times he tries to have David killed. You see it all the time, don't you? At least we do here in Australia in our system of of government, which is a democracy. But there are leaders who try to kind of hang on to power when their time's pretty clearly over and they become bitter and twisted and vengeful when power moves on. So young David spent a good many years on the run from Saul and Saul tried to kill him several times. And time and again, God saves David through a friend, Jonathan, who also happens to be Saul's son. Now, we met Jonathan last week on the program. Let's just have a read 1 Samuel chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Saul spoke with his son Jonathan and with all his servants about killing David. But Saul's son Jonathan took a great delight in David. Jonathan told David, My father Saul is trying to kill you, therefore be on guard tomorrow morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I'll go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I'll speak to my father about you. If I learn anything, I'll tell you. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father Saul, saying to him, The king should not sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have been of good service to you. For he took his life into his own hands when he attacked that Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great victory for all of Israel. You saw it, you rejoiced in it. Why then would you sin against an innocent person by killing David without cause? Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, his son. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and related all these things to him. Jonathan then brought David to Saul, and he was in Saul's presence as before. It turns out that Saul's son, the very man who, according to human logic and tradition, would probably have been the next in line for the throne, 
this man decides to save David's life. The question you have to ask is, well, why would he do that? Because Jonathan took great delight in David. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. Something inside Jonathan just clicked. He could see what everyone else could see. He could see the mighty hand of God upon this man, David. He could see the power of God on David, the favour of God on David. He could see the humility and the power, the goodness of this man, David, who had been already anointed as king. And so he chose to become David's friend. He stands up to his all-powerful father, King Saul, and actually defends David, at some risk to his own position, even to his own life, you'd have to say. Remember, Saul was the king. He could have him struck down and killed. Such was the power of the king of Israel. And actually, this wasn't the only time that Jonathan stepped in to save David. He did it several times as David emerged as Saul's rival for the throne. David was travelling through the country with hundreds of fighting men, and, and blind Freddy could see he was going to be king soon. Blind Freddy could see that Saul was on his way out. And it's in this context that the thing that really intrigues me is that instead of crossing over to David's camp, instead of deserting his despotic father Saul, Jonathan stays with the king, as it turns out, to the bitter end. So why would Jonathan do that? I remember a great scene in my favourite British comedy, Yes, Prime Minister, when the Prime Minister asks his personal private secretary, Bernard Woolley, he says, Bernard, whose side is the civil service on? And Bernard, with a smirk, answers, Oh, Prime Minister, the winning side. Funny, but it cuts close to the bone. Because when there's a rivalry, what we naturally want to do is to position ourselves on the winning side so that we can have an ongoing role in the victory and what happens thereafter. Jonathan could have done that. He could have gone with David and positioned himself on the winning side. Instead, he stays on the losing side. Why would he do that? Well, it turns out that he does it for his friend David because that wasn't the only time where Jonathan's position as father, King Saul's son, was able to be used to save David's life. He did it several times. And in the end, because Saul has so turned against God in his despotic, sinful behaviour to cling to the throne, because Saul consults a medium, God allows Saul and his sons to be killed in battle. Let's have a look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 31, beginning at verse 1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines, and many fell on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard upon Saul, the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by them. Then Saul said to his armour-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, so that these uncircumcised may not come and thrust me through and make sport of me. But his armour-bearer was unwilling, for he was terrified. So Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. When his armour-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armour-bearer and all his men died together on the same day. When the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook their towns and fled and the Philistines came and occupied them. You see, it turns out that Jonathan actually perishes. He dies with Saul because he hung on in the losing camp. Why? In order to protect David, his friend, who was then going to go and become king. He laid down his life for David. And that, that's what, according to God, a friend is. Someone who laid their lives down for us. 
It's precisely the sort of friend you and I are looking for. And can I tell you, that's precisely the sort of friend that God is calling you and me to be. Is it hard sometimes when everything and everyone is screaming at us to to save our own skins and to ditch our friends when push comes to shove? Does it hurt sometimes to sacrifice for our friends? You betcha it does. You, You betcha it does. But without that sort of commitment, what does friendship really stand for? Is it just two people using one another? Or is it a soul connection? Is it it an expression of the unconditional love of God that he showed to you and me when he sent Jesus to die for us on that cross? I'm a preacher, and from time to time I guess I've been known to preach up a storm, but the greatest sermon I will ever, ever preach is the way I live my life, the sort of friend that I am, what I'm prepared to sacrifice, the degree to which I'm prepared to take up that grisly cross and follow Jesus out into the lives of those who need to know him. It's the greatest sermon that you and I will ever preach. We love sharing the gospel with as many people as possible so they can experience a real and tangible relationship with God. So before I go, I'd like to tell you about our free daily devotional to help you be all that God made you to be. It's called Fresh. Each day you'll receive a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement. And the best news is that it's completely free and delivered right to your inbox each and every day where you can choose to read, listen or even watch the daily video. It's completely up to you. It's God's word fresh for you each day. To receive your free devotional, just jump onto the website freshdevotional.org. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign up right there for you. As a bonus, I'll also send you a free copy of my e-book, How Can I Hear God Speak to Me? So head across to the website and sign up to receive Fresh. I pray that your heart will be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. That web address again, in case you missed it, is freshdevotional.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.